Living Stones is a weekly conversation about living a truly Catholic life. Deacon Harold Burke Sivers and Ken Hellenius help you deepen your relationship with Christ and His Church, discussing practical ways to grow in faith, participate more fully in the liturgy, and practice charity towards all. Hello and welcome to Living Stones. I'm your co-host, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, and I'm joined as always by a, a man who truly is a, a, a good friend, uh, someone that I trust, a colleague, uh, someone I'm always joyous to be around. I, in fact, if I ever go out back out to Notre Dame, I always look forward to seeing him. Uh, he, he's no other. He's no one other than the third son of Zebedee. Ken Hellenius. <laughs> Ken, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm well. How are you this fine evening, Deacon? I am just fine. Thank you very yep. much. You know, uh, it's uh, as we get, you know, Lent is starting this week. So for my schedule, this is the busiest time of the year for me. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's a little bit, I got to admit, it's a little bit of a challenge because it's not only preparing for all the parish missions and the conferences that I have to do, but I also have to prepare myself. Right. And um, I'm sure I know on the next show we'll be talking about more about that. But, uh, but you know, as we enter uh, Lent this week, I just wanted to, you know, people sometimes wonder, well, what, how come Lent is... You know, starting at the uh, end of February and sometimes the middle of February, sometimes not till March. Right. You know, you say, right. oh, Lent's late this year. So I just thought it'd be interesting to just talk about how uh, how we calculate uh, Lent. So what we do in the in the Catholic Church is that we start with Easter and work backwards. So okay. Easter is always the Sunday after the first full moon after the uh, vernal equinox. So um, in other words is after the, st- the official start of spring, okay. the first full moon after the start of spring, the Sunday after that is when Easter falls. <laughs> and then we, and then you work, then backwards, you work backwards to calculate when uh, Lent starts in Ash Wednesday. Okay. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. I'm still trying to wrap my mind around the whole thing. <laughs> yes. um, but um, why? Why? How? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I'm going to imagine. Good, just put it on this date every yeah, year or yeah, something exactly. like that. You know? Yeah, right. Oh, it's well, a, some of it has to do with the fact that um, if you look at the uh, the Eastern churches, you know, they, they have a, uh, a, a, even both the Catholic and the Orthodox, so the ones that are with the Pope and even the ones that are, um, out, are outside that are autocephalous, uh, they have different dates for Easter. And Lent of, of every year. And so uh, they follow a different calendar and a different way of calculating it. And, you know, and, and in thinking about this, you know, I always reflect back on St. John Paul II's wonderful document, Ut Unum Sint, that they may be one, where he's reflecting on our, our Lord's words in John's gospel. We prayed, Father, I pray that they be one as you and I are one. And, and you know, so that that witness of oneness to the imagine how powerful that witness is to the world when we're all singing off the same sheet of music. Yeah. Um, you know, the Orthodox and, and, and the Catholics. Um, and maybe that's just one way to bring about unity. I know that we have these battles over doctrine and teaching and papacy and all that. I don't want to min- minimize that. But at the same time, maybe one way that we can show the world that we have some semblance of unity when it comes to the big picture stuff is to celebrate Lent and Easter at the same time every year. Yeah. Orthodox and Catholic together. I mean, I think that'd be a great thing. I, I can't disagree. I mean, this is the idea of, 
us rejoicing at the same time and and really uh, the whole world being in a penitential spirit at the same time seeking the lord's pardon and peace um but then also of course the the great joy of easter all at once i know that this is a, a big issue in places like jerusalem where of course uh with the two different calendars between the orthodox and the and the uh, catholic calendars um you know easter will fall on different sundays and so one sunday the catholics will be celebrating and singing hallelujahs uh, and it's a word by the way that you can't say in lent so uh, i apologize uh, you know, <laughs> already but um you know but they the uh, orthodox uh, you know maybe two weeks before they they get to uh, to to praise and celebrate the resurrection so this is the sort of thing that does have practical aspects uh and I know historically this comes back to the difference between the the Julian calendar and the Gregorian calendar, uh, the reform of the calendar that was uh, instituted by uh, Pope Gregory in the 16th century uh, after um, some recalculation uh, with the help of the Jesuits um, that give us the calendar that most of us in the West follow. Um, and so uh, that's the calendar that it wasn't, it was uh, eventually instituted in, uh, in Britain and therefore in, in what became the United States, not until the uh, 1700s. So, for example, during George Washington's lifetime, he was born on a certain day. And then the British government implemented the new reform calendar. And so we now celebrate George Washington's birthday 10 days before he would have, or 10 days after he would have, actually, is the way it follows. Because uh, in the meantime, more days had been lost. And this all has to do with how long it really takes the Earth to go around the sun and things like that. So that's why, of course, you know, we have leap days. So, for example, this year we will have the 29th of February. And I know, and I know also that this debate about the the dating of Easter was uh, discussed in early church councils as well. So I mean, this is something that has been discussed, and a lot of it also has to do with the fact that the Jewish calendar is based on a combination of the solar calendar and a lunar calendar, and mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. And so their their dates uh, shift around throughout the year too. So we think of knowing that that the Passover was taking place during the passion of, of Christ um, that was in, in the Passover week uh, when this was taking place. And so we kind of try to somewhat approximate that by, by the, this wacky kind of calculation of Easter uh, of being again, the first Sunday following the first full moon following the vernal equinox, which is mm-hmm. easy for you to say, <laughs> but hard to wrap your mind around. Boy, I tell you, what an interesting church and interesting faith we have, isn't it? Right. Even time, you know, even time, time. Is, you know, is is, is kind of not regulated, but but you know, we we order time, right? You know, to to serve God. Well, think about even the very way we calculate our year, or, or we number our years, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we say A.D. and B.C. before Christ and in the year of our Lord A.D. That's of course, if you're not into academics, where they've neutered that and made it B.C.E. Yeah, and C.E. C-E and C.E. Yeah, common but, but era still, and before the common, common era. era. When the common the era common, start with Jesus, common era starts with <laughs> so, the Lord. Yeah, so. Sorry, folks. You, 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 could, you could change the letters. You can't change the meaning, though. Right, right, exactly. So <laughs> we all know it. Yeah, nobody outside of <laughs> nobody outside of academics uses BCE and CE. That's so right. That, that's that's right. okay. Um, but you know, it's really funny that you you know that we've been talking about this idea of of 
time being touched by the Lord and you really what we think of as historical facts and history. Because what is history but the story of who we are as a people and who we, you know, it's the stories of our predecessors, it's the stories of what's happened throughout time as time moves forward. Um, and storytelling is is a, a topic that has been on the mind of uh, of Pope Francis this year, and it's something that he's actually asked us to think about as well uh, in his annual message for World Communications Day. Um, so World Communications Day uh, is a day that was established at the Second Vatican Council, uh, as it was called for in their document on social communications intermorifica. Uh, they said, we should have an annual day to celebrate and to observe and talk about the very fact of communications, what communications is, what the the pitfalls, the things that we should do to be better formed consumers of communication and users of communication. And so starting in 1967, the church has observed on the um, Sunday before Pentecost, World Communications Day. And so this year, uh, the World Communications Day, this will be the 54th celebration of World Communications Day, and every year the the Pope uh, writes a message for consideration for people to think about for World Communications Day, and he releases that message on the feast of uh, Saint Francis de Sales, the patron saint of communicators. So uh, that's on the twenty fourth of uh, of January. Uh, 24th, 25th of January, uh, right in there. And um, the message this year for the 54th World Communications Day from Pope Francis is entitled, That You May Tell Your Grandchildren and Your Children and Grandchildren, Life Becomes History. And there he's quoting the book of Exodus. He's quoting God himself, in which he says, I am bringing you out of Egypt, I am bringing you out of slavery, and I am creating something so that you may tell your children and grandchildren of the wonders that God has done for you. So Pope Francis uses this year's message to talk about storytelling. And the theme of his message, he says, I would like to devote this year's message to the theme of storytelling, because I believe that so as not to lose our bearings, we need to make our own the truth contained in good stories. So that's the the theme of this year's message. And again, it's this idea that God intervenes in history. God intervened in history, certainly from the very beginning, to create all things. So at the very beginning of time, we have God uh, creating, but then we have God intervening and stepping into history and interacting with, with people, with a chosen people that he chooses in, in Abraham, and, uh, and then continues to interact with Isaac and Jacob and Moses, all the way forward to when in the fullness of time, as St. Paul tells us, he intervenes in history by stepping into history as Christ, as Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, made man. And so this is, of course, the fullness of God's revelation when God himself enters our story and changes it. And that comes back to what we were talking about just at the beginning of our time together tonight. That's where we, as Christians, mark the the center point of history, right? Everything before Christ is B.C., and everything after Christ's incarnation, after he comes to be with us, is A.D., in the year of our Lord, because our Lord has stepped in to be with us. And so this is the great story that Pope Francis wants us to think about, and to think about our roles and what we, the parts we play in this story. 
And so uh, we're going to spend a little time tonight kind of talking about this this message uh, of Pope Francis and then also thinking about what what this story even means. Yeah, that's a really important because um, stories is all have always been a way to transmit culture, mm-hmm. to transmit teaching, uh, to transmit truth, yep. to stimulate the imagination, right, uh, and even memory. I mean, th- think about it. A very simple example: uh, children. You know, you read children stories. Mm-hmm. You know, whether they're in school, they're in kindergarten. You know, the the teachers reading stories to them, or. Um, or at home, you know, mom and dad will read a story before they go to bed or hopefully some Bible stories, you right. know, so you start learning those. But but the idea and of course, our Lord used many, many parables, right? Storytelling to to transmit the truths of the faith, to transmit the truths of uh, of the of what he, his father wanted to reveal to us through him. Right. You know, so stories are just wonderful ways to. To because uh, they they kind of sink into you, they sink into your heart, they sink into your soul, and they're more memorable. You know, you remember stories, you remember, and the more you hear stories, you, so you, you're able to pick up even more detail the second time around or the third time around. You know, I find that to be very true, especially when we do um, year C readings um, of the uh, Gospels, because you know the the readings are arranged in the in the Roman. Uh, in the Roman Church, the Mass as a three-year cycle Sunday readings, A, B, and C. Yeah. Um, and C is Luke, and so Luke obviously is the one that has most of the parables in it. And so, you know, I've been ordained seventeen years now, so you know, you're you're revisiting these gospels again and again, and every time you pull something different out of it. Right. You know, it, it hits you differently. You're at a different point in your life. Mm-hmm. You know, something else is there may be something going on in the culture, something going on in the church, something going on at the particular at the particular parish, you know, and, and, and you want to tell that story, uh, you know, of, of how this parable is 2000 years old that hasn't changed. You know, you're hearing it since you're a kid, but it but, but it carries forward a different meaning now for yeah. you. And that's what stories do. Yeah. Pope Francis says that same thing in his message. He tells us that um, a narrative, you know, the idea of story can tell us that we are part of a living and interconnected tapestry. It can reveal the interweaving of the threads which connect us to one another. And it's so good that you, Deacon, there mentioned, you know, the idea of telling stories to our children. You know, this is what happens when we gather together at Mass. We tell the story of how God has interacted with us in the past. You know, often the first reading at the Sunday Mass is telling a story of God in the Old Testament in a way that will be echoed in the story of Jesus in the Gospel reading. You know, the the first reading often sets up the story that Jesus fulfills. And this comes back to the idea that is said so well by, I believe, St. Augustine, where he says the New Testament is hidden in the Old and the Old Testament is revealed in the New Testament, you know, so that it's yes. kind of setting up the story and then and then showing us how it's how it's fulfilled, how it's completed. Um Pope Francis, in his message, he tells us, so there are five kind of sections to this year's message. Uh, the first is weaving stories. Uh, this idea that we all use narrative, we all use stories to make sense of our lives. Uh, he says, stories influence our lives, whether in the form of fairy tales, novels, films, songs, news, whatever, even if we don't even realize it. And that's the reality, right? I know as uh, as a dude, I tend to 
talk to my dude friends with movie quotes. And we mm-hmm. can we can mm-hmm. go through an entire conversation simply quoting different movies back and forth at one another. Uh, and we're we're doing it because we all know the stories in our heads that's formed who we are in the culture. And this will be true. You know, somebody will say, well, there's always a great quote from X, Y, or Z that is appropriate to the moment. I have friends at work who say there's always a good quote from the office that's always applicable to whatever is going on. You know, you can always find a meme. And this is an idea that we see online, too, the idea of memes. People hear news stories or hear things going on in the news, and they can always find an image or a screen capture from one of their favorite television shows and and find it how it applies to what's going on in the story of today. So these connect us and they provide entry points for us to realize how connected we are with one another. Yeah, and I'm so glad he's talking about this during World Communications Day because we said, oh, well, communications have been improved, which is true in the sense that we're able to communicate much more quickly, mm-hmm. much more efficiently mm-hmm. uh, to, a, to, to people all around the world within seconds. Yeah. You know, which was unheard of. You know, yeah. think about it. You know, when, um, you know, when Columbus was sailing across the ocean, man, they had a boat man, <laughs> trying to get mail or a Pony Express when that first started or something. I mean, it took, took forever to get messages to get anywhere. Now you can do it within seconds. But what we're losing, though is the personal interaction. Mm. You know, I, I, if, if I were to tell someone a story over the phone or a, during an interview, that's that's one thing. But when you're in the presence of that person and you can, and the person is there and, and you can see the hand gestures and the facial expression, you can see, you can see the emotion. You can almost, and you can, you have that personal space with that and you're interacting visually with that person. It's a, a whole different way of, of imbibing and understanding that story, yeah, um, because the person that's telling it, you, you, you have a, in a, in a sense, you have a relationship with them, not just friendship or anything, but a, but a spatial relationship with that person as well. You know, it's the same, it's the same thing with with our Lord. You know, some someone, uh, <laughs> uh, I was talking about adoration, and someone kind of challenged me. They said, you know, what's the difference between praying, you know, with a tabernacle and then praying with the tabernacle open with Jesus? Expo- I mean, it's 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 the same thing. I said, I said, okay, think about it like this. Say you have someone that you love, you invite to your house, and um, and when they get there, and this is a person that you love that you you, you really want to see, and when they get there, they knock at the door, and you say, hey, you see that chair? Pull it up, and sit down, and then you sit down on the other side of the door, you talk to them through the door. That works, but but isn't it always better to be in the presence of the person that you love? When you're talking to them. Right, right. You see, that's that's the key. Being present to someone. Yes, technology, you can Skype, you can see the person, you can see all that. But there's something about being in someone's physical presence um, that brings a whole new dimension to communication. Yeah, that is what a what a great way to describe it. I mean, um, I mean, even that's. It's funny, I don't want to get too meta here, but even the way that that we, uh, you know, because I live in South Bend, Indiana, and you live in Portland, Oregon, I mean, we are helped by technology because I can actually see you when we're recording. We use the, uh, you know, one of those online video tools, you know, a video chat, um, so that I can see you and, and see your reaction to what I'm saying, and I can see you make faces at me, whatever you may be going on. Uh, um, <laughs> Stick my tongue out at yeah, you. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> Um, it's so much better than just talking to you on the phone, 
right? Yeah. When I, I can only hear visual, I can only hear audio clues on the phone. Here I can get visual clues by seeing you on the other end of, of our video chat. But it's still less than when you and I are together in a physical studio together, when you and I are able to see one another and, and uh, you know, add that third dimension of, of personal presence. Um, and I mean, gosh, that, that is even better. Those are even more joyful times. Not that seeing you via video chat when we record every week isn't, isn't itself also delightful, but, uh, but yeah, so much better when we are in person with one another. And that actually, interestingly enough, is what makes the scriptures amazing to us. Because when we read the scriptures, we are reading the inspired word of God. But as Catholics, we also physically interact with our Lord in the liturgy of the Eucharist. In the Mass, we physically receive Jesus. We hear the story uh, read in the scriptures. We hear it broken open in the, in the homily. We, of course, offer our prayers. But then we physically interact with Jesus in the Eucharist. And that makes that particular communication, communion, to be one with him, which is what communion even means, is so much more rich and grace-filled than even just hearing the Word of God proclaimed. It is a physical interaction with our Lord. Um, and so, and that's why, you know, that's why it's so much, that's why even watching Mass over via television is not as grace-filled as actually attending Mass. It's better right, than exactly. it's better than nothing, absolutely. But the fullness of presence is to be in the presence of the Lord, in communion with Him in the Holy Eucharist. No, absolutely correct. Um, you know, and uh, you know, stories is, have always been a way to also transmit um, uh, culture. Like, for example, if I were to tell someone a story and they were moved, deeply moved by that story, you know, um, and, and but then that's one thing. But then when they see you in person. Mm -hmm. You know, they start crying right when they see you. Why? Because they remember the story. They remember, and now you've made it even more real for them because now they're seeing the person who told the story. Yes. You, you know. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just like, for example, if if I were to say, like, we're going to see each other. Let's say we're going to see each other next week. You know, I'm not going to say, well, Ken, this is great. Why don't we just Skype? But why do I have to come see you? This is I can see you this right now. Enough. Computer, right. Yeah. It's 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 great, but it's always better to be with you. You yeah. know. Yeah. And the same thing with our Lord. Um, uh, and this, and the same thing with um, you know, transmitting culture, even something simple like um, some like recipes, hmm. you know. I mean, that's one thing I've been thinking about. You know, um, I I, I thought about this in a, in a very special way because since my mom died, I haven't had a lot of Caribbean food. You know, the the food I grew up with. Sure, sure. You know, from from my country and and from Barbados, and that my mom used to cook a lot when we were growing up. And when my mom lived with us in Oregon for the last three years of her life, she made, my brother sent her some of the ingredients, she, and she made the food for us at home, which was wonderful. Mm. And then she died, and then, like, I haven't had, like, really, unless I'm traveling someplace, you know, and, and have, but it's not like mom used to, I mean, it's right. different, right. you know? Right, But so my girls um, made uh, something called sweet bread or coconut bread um, is was what we call in our country, and, and they surprised me with making it during Christmas, you know, and it, 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 they did a really good job. It tasted great. You know, not exactly like my mom's cause my, you know, mom always like, she cooks like without the sure. recipe, right. You know, right. it's by feel, yeah. you know, again, that personal, even that food tells the story, right? The food tells the story, right? You know, so when I've been into it, 
oh, my mind went back to those Christmases, you know, back in Jersey and, you know, what it was like being my brothers and my sister. I mean, it's just, it's just, the, the, just the way stories make things come alive. Yes. And I think that's Pope Francis's point. It is. Um, that we could tell stories because it makes Christ come alive. Exactly right. The idea that um, we also insert ourselves into that story. So when we read... Mm-hmm. And this is what, what Pope Francis essentially kind of ends with uh, in, in this message. And there's a lot more here, and, and we're going to link to it on our Facebook page. So please do uh, go and visit it. But the idea that, um, you know, we read stories of people that have experienced great conversion. And what we realize is that the story is never ended until we are until we are home with the Lord, right? Um, stories of great pain and suffering and conversion. Think of the confessions of St. Augustine or the pilgrim's journey of St. Ignatius or the story of a soul by, by uh, Therese of Lisieux. I mean, these are stories of conversion and of change in their lives that end in with them, you know, becoming part of the communion of saints. Um, but I think even of people like Dorothy Day, you know, the story of her early life, uh, being a woman who had an abortion, and, and yet she became the great apostle of charity of the 20th century. Or even Kobe Bryant, his story of of great conversion and return and, and uh, help uh, with his Catholic faith. I mean, these are stories of people that we read that um, the story is not over until we are until we are with the lord until we die and so what pope francis encourages us to do is to immerse ourselves in stories and to read the stories of mercy and forgiveness of course great themes of pope francis's constant pontificate mercy and the joy of discipleship and these are the stories that we want to read and encourage ourselves with and then become part of that story for others as well well, you know, Christ is not dead. You know, he's alive. And That's so the right. story of that Good Friday, you know, in, in um, for the Passover meal, you know, uh, when they ask him, what is this night different from every other night? You know, why are we eating love for bread? Why are we eating, you know, bitter herbs? The response was in Exodus 13, verse 8, where the father replied, uh, what the, it was because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of the land of Egypt. Wow. Now that was three thousand yeah. years ago, right? But right. but it's what the the response, what the Lord did for me when I why? Because that story, that past event, the grace is not just something that happened in the past, because memory is something for the Jewish people that's alive. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's the grace and blessings are made real and present now, and that's what happens in the Eucharist. Yeah, the same grace and blessings that Good Friday Friday made real and present right now. Amen. But we're out of time. I know. Ken, so how can people stay in contact with us? Find us on our Facebook page. Just type in Living Stones Media uh, into your Facebook search bar and, and uh, click on there. We put links, and we'll put a link to uh, this fifty fourth World Communications Day message. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at Catholic Stones uh, Deacon. Until we gather next week, might we have a blessing? May Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We'll see you next week here on Living Stones. You've been listening to Living Stones with Ken Hellenius and Deacon Harold Burke-Sivers. Living Stones is produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio in Portland, Oregon. For more information about this show, go to moderndayradio.com. That's M-A-T-E-R-D-E-I radio.com.